Hey friends, Mike Myers here with the Songwriting for Guitar podcast, episode number 51, Self-Doubt. All right, I'm going to be completely honest with you, so real right now. There are four reasons why your hooks are killing the song. These are four reasons that I see over and over and over again when I have people come to me for consultations, when I sit down with my Rift Radio students. These are the four reasons that most things are not an ear candy hook that are pulling the listener in, but it's driving them away. Now you don't want that, do you? Of course you don't. So here's what you got to do. Go to songwritingforguitar.com and sign up for my free training right now. Four reasons why your hooks are killing the song. Once you know the four reasons, you'll know not to make them and you'll actually enhance your songs and start pulling those listeners in. So remember, all you got to do, songwritingforguitar.com and sign up for my free training series, Four Reasons Why Your Hooks Are Killing the Song, right now. Now, self-doubt serves as a warning signal for our lives. If we don't address it, it takes over everything. Self-doubt justifies us keeping this low bar for ourselves, and then we inadvertently lose sight of our potential. It prevents us from doing what we want, and we end up spending our entire lives as someone who always teeters around the edge of thinking about doing it or doing something else completely. We end up moving further and further away until we forget what drives us. Now, that's no way to live. Never doing anything we truly want? Let's be honest, that fucking sucks. Imagine being at the end of your life and you ask, what would have happened if I had, or if you think, should I have done this? You know, I hear this more in private coaching than in any public forum. I've coached people who have had the American dream-like success of getting to the top of the companies. They tell me it's been all good and great, but then there's this pause and then a sigh, and they say that they've wanted to give time to songwriting. They've wanted to give time to getting better at guitar for the longest time, but now it feels like it's too late. And usually in these stories, there's always one reason or another that they've given to push off their passion, push back and, and just wait a little bit longer. You know, they had the want and the drive, but usually the first roadblock was, oh, there was college, but then there was marriage and then kids, and then they were tied up at their job so they could put their kids through college. They finally climbed up the company ladder to find themselves in a moment of solitude at the top, realizing they should have followed their passion. They should have never gotten to the top of this particular mountain. Now, all they want to do is just hit the eject button and abort, abort, get out of here because they don't want it. Now, I'm here to tell you this story so you understand why it's so important to use the end-of-life perspective as a tool in making your decisions. If you're not using the end-of-life as a part of your filter, you're doing it wrong. We have to remember when deciding little things, these little things, all of them, end up being big once we string them together across the moments. This isn't a perspective to scare us, but it's helping us to examine what we're doing with our life and how we treat others. I often ask the question, are you okay if you left this world and didn't do the thing in question? It's heavy. Don't get me wrong, it's heavy. And it's not meant to be a burden, but it's meant to do the reverse. Going through this exercise every time I realize, oh, 
this doesn't or really does matter. You know, I can remember being in Catholic school. Uh, I had a teacher who was like seriously after me for not turning in some assignment. I forget what it was. I think it was English homework. And for some reason, I just knew deep down inside it did not matter. They made it feel like it was life or death. But when I compared it to life and death, I was like, I don't think I'm going to be on my deathbed being like, if only I turned in my preposition homework. What does matter in the grand scheme of things is what we feel called to do. If you're called to do it, you got to ask yourself, why are you not doing it? Our instinct is to run when we're encountered with something that's challenging or when someone tells us to do something we really don't want, we cover our ears and we flee, but we're carrying that self-doubt until we find ourselves running right back into the thing we're called to, being back where we started and we usually realize, oh shit, they're right. We're given the impression that we aren't truly capable of doing something we love. We're given some other narrative of this is what you should be doing. That seed of doubt plants itself in our minds. And that is a tough nugget to evacuate. We'll always stay within the limits that we or others create for us. Unless we try to shed away some of those narratives It's tough, but that's why you need an outside perspective to shake you out of that uncomfortable spot or idea. Otherwise, we stay comfortable. We're just teetering on that edge of always thinking about it. So if you're feeling lots of self-doubt, I want you to take that as a warning sign. Take a deeper look and I encourage you to find a mentor. Find someone who can help you excavate, to help you get to that next level, start to Peel some of those layers away because only then can you finally start to step into the thing that you're meant to do. And that does it for this week's episode. It was edited and produced by Chris Fafalius. I am Mike Myers. Thanks for listening.